Welcome to all who are here in the sanctuary and to those who are joining us through the live stream, either at this time or later in the day or week. The grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. I find it hard to believe that today marks the 25th anniversary of my induction as minister of the church and parish of St. Ninian's Old. The years have passed quickly, though remarkably, I haven't aged a bit. <laughs> I am delighted to see so many of you here today and to be joined by my own family and friends from other places is a source of great joy. I am very pleased that my friend from student days, the Reverend Colin Rennick, Minister of Dunblane Cathedral, accepted my invitation to be the guest preacher this morning. Colin has been a great source of strength and encouragement to me throughout my ministry, both on Butte and here in St Ninian's. I'm glad he's beside me today. I only hope he doesn't reveal too much about our time as divinity students in Aberdeen. Certain things are best forgotten. <laughs> Colin, thank you for being with us today, and it's good that Ailey is also here. I'm delighted that our soloist this morning is Mr. Robert Robertson. Many will know Robert as the founding member and lead singer of the popular band Tidelines, but he's here in a personal capacity as his family, through both his parents, have a long association with St. Ninian's Old, and his late grandfather, Dan Patterson, a good and gracious man, was the senior elder when I was inducted on this day in 1998. Robert, we look forward to hearing you during the service. The psalmist declared, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Let us worship God. We sing hymn 124. This was the opening hymn at my induction. 124. Praise to the Lord the Almighty, the King of creation.
The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Let us pray. Gracious God, we gather this day to worship you. You are the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation, and you are the God and Father of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. From the rising of the sun to its setting, your name is to be praised. Almighty God, whose might is beyond measure, whose wisdom is beyond knowledge, and whose love is beyond all telling, we rejoice that we are your children and that you have called us to make known the great things you have done through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Eternal God, you made us in your own image, with a mind to know you, a heart to love you, and a will to serve you. We confess our knowledge is imperfect, our love is lukewarm, and far from being obedient, we often wander from the path you have set before us and do our own thing. Gracious God, slow to anger and rich in love, your goodness and mercy is new every morning. Forgive us our sins and grant us strength that we may truly be your people, unburdened by the past, unfearful of the future, and joyful in the present. Almighty God, be with us now, as gladly we wait before you. And on this day, when we give thanks for all that has been, let us recommit ourselves to you, the one who is faithful, and who crowns us with love and compassion. These things we humbly ask in Jesus' name, and together we say the prayer he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Elaine Ronald, one of our elders and a fellow Campbelltonian, will now read God's word to us. Today's Old Testament reading is from Exodus, chapter 3, verses 1 to 12, and can be found on page 46 of the Pew Bible. That's Exodus, chapter 3, starting from verse 1. While tending the sheep of his father-in-law Jethro, priest of Midian, Moses led the flock along the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, an angel of the Lord appeared to him as a fire blazing out from a bush. Although the bush was on fire, it was not being burnt up. And Moses said to himself, I must go across and see this remarkable sight. 
Why ever does the bush not burn away? When the Lord saw that Moses had turned aside to look, he called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, he answered. Here I am, God said. Do not come near. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have witnessed the misery of my people in Egypt, and I have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know that they are suffering, and I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that country into a fine, broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the territory of Canaanites, Hydites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hevites, and Jezebites. Now the Israelites' cry has reached me, and I have also seen how hard the Egyptians oppress them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, and you are to bring my people out of Egypt. But who am I, Moses said to God, that I should approach Pharaoh, and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God answered, I am with you. This will be your proof that it is I who have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt and you will all worship God here at this mountain. The New Testament reading is from 1 Corinthians and it is chapter 12, verses 12 to 30. And can be found on page 153 in the Pew Bible. Christ is like a single body with its many limbs and organs, which many as they are, together make up one body. For in the one spirit, we were all brought into one body by baptism. Whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we were all given that one spirit to drink. A body is not a single organ, but many. Suppose the foot were to say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it belongs to the body nonetheless. Suppose the ear were to say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it still belongs to the body. If the body were all eye, how could it hear? If the body were all ear, how could it smell? But in fact, God appointed each limb and organ to its own place in the body as he chose. If the whole were a single organ, there would not be a body at all. In fact, however, there are many different organs, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, or the head to the feet, I don't need you. Quite the contrary. These parts of the body, which seem to be more frail than others, are indispensable. And more parts of the body, which we regard as less honourable, are treated with special honour. The part we are modest about are treated with special respect, whereas our respectable parts have no such need. But God has combined the various parts of the body, given special honour to the humbler parts so that there might be no division in the body, 
but that all its parts might feel the same concern for one another. If one part suffers, all suffer together. If one flourishes, all rejoice together. Now, you are Christ's body, and each of you a limb or organ of it. Within our community, God has appointed in the first place apostles, in the second place prophets, thirdly teachers, then miracle workers, then those who have gifts of healing or ability to help others or power to guide them, or the gifts of tongues of various kinds. All are apostles, all prophets, all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues of ecstasy, can all interpret them. The higher gifts are those you should prize, but I can show you an even better way. And the final lesson is taken from the book of John. And it's chapter 17 and verses 20 to 26 and can be found on page 96 in the Pew Bible. It is not these alone that I pray, but for those also who through their words put their faith in me. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. So also may they be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you give me I have given to them, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be perfectly one. Then the world will know that you sent me and that you loved them as you loved me. Father, they are your gift to me, and my desire is that they may be with me where I am, so that they may look upon my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the world began. Righteous Father, although the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known so that the love you had for me may be in them and I in them. Amen. And may God bless these readings of his holy word. Thank you, Elaine. We sing the lovely hymn 189, hymn 189, Be Still, for the presence of the Lord, the Holy One, is here.
the members of the Sunday Club and their leaders have been preparing, or should I say, plotting something, I invite them to come forward. We need you to come out to this, the interview chair. <laughs> I'm getting nervous. We are St. Ninian's Old Parish Church Sunday Club and we would like to celebrate Gary's Silver Jubilee by finding out a bit more about Gary's life as a minister. You've been our minister since 1998. We weren't born then. <laughs> but we have been finding out what life was like way back then. A pint of milk cost 34p, a loaf of bread cost 52p, and a dram was £1.35p. <laughs> and Ernie tells us that the hearts beat Rangers that year to win the Scottish Cup. <laughs> Here are a few more facts. Gary is the 12th minister at since Parish Old Church since 1751. <laughs> In his 25 years here, he has baptized 245 children, married 276 couples, and conducted 1,387 funerals. Now, Gary, are you ready for a few questions? I don't think I've got an option. <laughs> what do you like best about being a minister? The people. Okay. I like the people. The people make the ministry. Okay. What is your favourite story in the Bible? My favourite story in the Bible? Now, I might have needed advance notice of that one. <laughs> Wait till we think. I like the story about Zacchaeus because it tells us about the change that Jesus can bring about in a person's life. So I think maybe that's, it's certainly one of my favorite stories. What's your favorite hymn? My favorite hymn, I think, Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven. That's why we're going to sing it today. <laughs> Did you go to Sunday school? Yes, I did. I went to Sunday school when I was a wee boy. I did. Why did you choose to become a minister? That's a very good question. Um, 
I would like to think the choice was made for me by God, but I maybe didn't always realize that. But my granny, who was here at my induction 25 years ago, always said when I was a wee boy, Gary's going to be a minister. So I think God has called me, and uh, I was happy to respond to that call and become a minister. Do you like reading and singing? Do I like reading? And singing. And singing. Yes, I like reading and I like singing, but I'm not very good at singing. <laughs> and that's why they mute this microphone <laughs> when it comes to the singing. How many years have you been a minister? Now, uh, I've been a minister since 1992. Now, I'm not very good at arithmetic, but uh, what is that, folks? About 30... 31 years, is it? A long time, I think, is it? Before all you were born, as you were saying. Hi, Cameron. Did you have a wee question? Do you ever get a holiday? Do I ever get a holiday? Yes, I'm glad to say I do. Yes, I don't always take a day off during the week, which maybe we're supposed to do, but yes, I do get a holiday every so often. Where's the most unusual place you've held a sermon? The most unusual place that I've preached a sermon? Now, again, I would maybe need advance notice of that one. Um, it would certainly be outside. Yes, maybe in a hillside in terrible weather. <laughs> and it was a real challenge. Yes, that would be it. Did you always want to become a minister? Yes, yes. There was never anything else, Gregor, that I wanted to be. No, it was always a minister. So. In that sense, I didn't need to worry. What will I do? What will I become? I knew I was going to be a minister. Has anything funny happened during our service? <laughs> Something funny. <laughs> yes, there's been lots of funny things over the years. Maybe some that I couldn't repeat in here today. <laughs> yes, the one thing I would say is, there's lots of laughter in the ministry, and that's a great thing. Lots of laughter. And I think you know that I've got quite a good sense of humour. So, yes, there's lots of laughter and lots of funny experiences. What churches did you serve in before you came here at St. Ninians? Now, these are my two nephews at the end there, you see, and they were here yesterday at four o'clock for a rehearsal, but try as I might last night, they wouldn't tell me a thing <laughs> about today. So I began, I was the assistant minister down in the parishes of Upper Tweeddale, just inside the borders, and then my first charge was Rossy Highkirk, linked with Kingarth and Kilcatton Bay on the island of Butte, and then I came here. So it's finished, you'll be going to hear Thank you. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Boys and girls, can I say 
how pleased I am that you have played such a very special and important part in this service today. And you've helped to make it one that I'll always remember. Thank you very much. Don't they deserve a round of applause, everyone? There we are. We're going to have a wee photo taken, is that it? Eh? <laughs> now, this is one for the album. It'll be worth money in years to come. In the middle there, thank you. There we are. Do you want to come over a wee bit and then we'll, you go over that way a wee bit there? That's better. There we are. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. Oh, I'm glad that's over. <laughs> and now we sing that great hymn, hymn 160, Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven.
Please be seated. I see he's moved to where he can catch my eye. <laughs> Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A young minister went to his first charge, a tough inner city parish, but he was young, enthusiastic, and capable. He was hardworking, he was good with the young people, and good with the elderly as well. And despite it being a tough, rough parish, he was popular with people inside and outside the church. But he wasn't in charge of the parish. That mantle fell onto the shoulders of two brothers who were gangsters, who controlled what went on in the area, be it peddling drugs or prostitution, and anybody who ventured into their patch would be noted and, if required, dealt with. Then one of the brothers died, and the surviving brother called on the young minister, saying, I want his funeral to be in the church. And at that funeral, I want you to tell everybody there what a saint my brother was. And if you do what I ask, I will give £100,000 to the church funds. If you don't, well, he left it hanging there. That young minister faced a dilemma. Because he knew that the brother who had died was no saint. But he also knew that the kirk was desperately short of funds. The roof leaked, the central heating was temperamental to say the least, and the, organ, the kitchen had last been upgraded in the 1930s. £100,000 could put the building back in order and help pay for a much-needed youth, youth programme as well. That minister faced a few sleepless nights. What should he do? The day of the funeral arrived, and there appeared in front of the church a horse-drawn hearse pulled by black-plumed horses, preceded by a top-hatted funeral director with silver-topped cane. The service began, and in due course the minister stood up and began the much-awaited tribute. Pointing to the solid mahogany coffin in front of him, he said, the man before us here was an out-and-out crook. (laughs) Nobody could trust him, and he left his mark in many lives, but it wasn't one for good. If there was drug dealing, you could guarantee he was behind it. If there was prostitution, then he was behind that too. He was an out-and-out rogue. And then turning his gaze to the surviving brother, he said, But, compared to his brother here, he was an out-and-out saint. (laughs) That young minister was not Gary McIntyre, but but it could well have been. (laughs) If you cut one of Gary's legs off, if you cut both of Gary's legs off, he'd be legless. And judging by the number of bottles that have been delivered to the vestry, you have no regard for his liver. (laughs) You would find written through the very fabric of Gary's being, like lettering in a stick of Blackpool rock, the words, Parish Minister. 
Gary isn't simply the minister of St. Ninian's Old Parish Church, but the minister of St. Ninian's Parish and beyond. He's your minister. He's the people's minister. And he is, above all, a servant of God. The young minister in the tale of the gangster's funeral was not Gary McIntyre, but it could have been. For Gary is no pushover and nobody's fool, as you will well know. He is compassionate, but never a soft touch. And as I hardly need tell any of you, he has a mischievous sense of humour, which he uses to good effect. Not many of us escape Gary's wit and sense of mischief. He has nicknames for practically all of his colleagues, some of which are politically correct. (laughs) And if you bribe me enough, I will tell you what his is. But Gary, you need not fear. It was said in the vestry before the service by the organist, what is said in a vestry stays in the vestry. And I can assure you that what was said in the St. Macher Bar in Aberdeen <laughs> remains in the St. Macher Bar in Aberdeen. Except they greatly regretted the fact when Gary did his next diploma in Glasgow rather than Aberdeen. I count it as a huge privilege that Gary has kindly invited me to preach today. All the other ministers in you were otherwise engaged. <laughs> and I count it as a privilege not only because my wife, Ailey, and I have the share the fondness that you all have for Gary, but because I have known him, as he said, since he was a fresh-faced youth from Campbellton, still smelling of seaweed in Springbank, <laughs> when he arrived to study theology with a great head of hair at the University of Aberdeen. And I remember one of our professors, many years later, describing some of his students as being totally unteachable. Gary was not one of them. Blessed with a deep respect for his mentors, he was always humble enough to learn and still is. He was a young lad when we were students together all those years ago, but he had a wise head and young shoulders and so obviously cared for the people around him. That much hasn't changed. Except the shoulders aren't quite so young. But this service is not simply a celebration of Gary's 25 years as minister here, which is a remarkable achievement. But it is a celebration too of you as a congregation with whom Gary has journeyed for this past quarter century. An Anglican priest used to bow to his congregation at the end of a service. And when asked why, he used to say, some clergy bow before the altar, some bow before the cross. But I'm told that these people are the body of Christ, and so I bow before them. You are part of the body of Christ. With each and every one of you, having a part to play. There are no insignificant parts of that body. And Paul, with what seems to be the closest St. Paul ever comes to showing a sense of humor, he gives us a picture of a power struggle breaking out within the human body. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. 
If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? And this passage, along with the other two that were read this morning, were read in this church 25 years ago today at Gary's induction. I don't know what the preacher had to say on that occasion, but I suspect that part of what was said would be along the lines of the church not simply being about the minister, but about the whole people of God working together in mutual respect and dependence. The man's garden, your man's garden, is immaculate. So is the man's. It's said of Gary that he spends six days a week hoovering (laughs) and the seventh havering. The man's garden in Dumblain and the cathedral graveyard are currently overrun by rabbits. And driving into a driveway at night as the headlights shine down the driveway, you'll see rabbits scurrying off in all directions. And we often comment it's like driving onto the film set for Richard Adams' book, Watership Down, which is a tale of rabbits who, in their warren at Watership Down, discover much about themselves through their travels and adventures. Perhaps the most important thing they discover is that they need each other. One of the rabbits is big and strong. Another is quick thinking and imaginative. A third is speedy. A fourth is fiercely loyal. A fifth is a good storyteller. A sixth knows where to find the best carrots. But perhaps the key rabbit is the smallest and clumsiest of them all who has a sort of sixth sense which anticipates danger. What makes this group of rabbits so significant is that they find ways of using the gifts of every member of the group so that they are never short of wisdom and intelligence about what to do next or courage and strength to do what is needed. In other words, the group of rabbits lives and moves and thinks as one body rather than as a dozen separate bodies. There can't be such thing as an idea or a development that is good for one of the rabbits, but not good for the whole body. To be part of a group like that group of rabbits can be a wonderful experience. One of the reasons a university encourages team sports is to give its students the opportunity to join a group that will only succeed if it has a mixture of speed, size, strength, hand-eye coordination, determination, courage, and imagination. And the breakthrough comes when the members of the team realize that it's not about any one of them being the star, but about each of them realizing how much they need each other. The same is broadly true of actors putting on a play. Musicians participating in an orchestra, and dare I say it, singers joining in a choir. The soprano doesn't say to the alto halfway through Messiah, I have no need of you. And nobody dare ever say of the tenors, we have no need of you, because they're such a rare breed. So being one body is or should be a familiar human experience and a healthy one. But I think this group of rabbits offers us some important lessons about what it might be to be the church.
One is that we can never say that we've made it. The church will always remain a pilgrim people, a people on the move. Whenever you meet a bunch of Christians who feel that they've made it, whether in strength of numbers, firmness of doctrine, righteousness of attitude or purity of life, you can anticipate that pretty soon they'll be in trouble. And I've seen it. Israel was formed on the way from Egypt to the promised land. A journey that began with that encounter between Moses and God at the burning bush. The disciples of Jesus were formed on the way from Galilee to Jerusalem. The church becomes one body as it is bound together on the common journey. And it's always, always a work in progress. Seeing ourselves as a pilgrim people should help to prevent any of us thinking that we have nothing new to learn, nothing to receive from each other, nothing to give. The place of worship for the Israelites was, of course, a tent, not a temple, reminding them truly that they were a people on the move and of the fact that wherever they ended up, whether in their comfort zone or out of it, somehow God was in the midst of them. The church is a body. It is a pilgrim people called by God to be in the move as he moves forward in this world. And the diversity of a church is a strength, not a weakness. The group of rabbits only survived because it had rabbits with different gifts, different strengths, different visions for what they were doing and where they were going. And St. Paul says, there are varieties of gifts, but we drink of the one spirit. Music to Gary McIntyre's ears. We drink of the one spirit. (laughs) Varieties of ways of serving God, but the same Lord. Paul may have seen it that way, but it's hardly a fashionable view among Christians today. I expect you know the story of the man who arrived on a desert island to be greeted by the sole occupant of that island. And he noticed there were two buildings on the island and asked what the first one was. He said, that's my church. I built it with my own hands. And the visitor pointed to another building nearby. That looks like a church too. He said, yes, it is. I built it with my own hands. That's the church whose door I will never darken on any account at all. There's another story told about a monastery where the monks were constantly at each other's throats, bickering and cursing at one another. And one night, a mysterious visitor knocked at the monastery door and made a brief but solemn announcement. One of you here is Jesus Christ. And the atmosphere of the monastery changed overnight. Suddenly each monk treated every other monk with awe and wonder, not sure which one was Christ in their midst, but trusting that indeed he was among them. They had learned what it means to be church, to treat one another as we would treat Jesus, to expect from one another all that Jesus brings, to cherish 
each other, one another, as we cherish Jesus himself. Paul says to us, your mission is to be one body. Your message is that Christ has made you one body. There isn't anything more important for you to rush off and do. The lessons of 1 Corinthians 12, as mirrored by the rabbits and watership down, First, we can't say that we have made it. All church life is provisional. We're a pilgrim people on the move. Second, diversity is a gift and a strength, not a weakness or a sin of unfaithfulness. And third, unity doesn't just happen. It requires hard work and prayer and respect and listening and compromise and grace. And that work is not a distraction, but at the heart of the gospel. And of course, there's one thing that we didn't learn from the rabbits, and that is good, that we're not talking about any old body, any old organization. We're talking about the church, which is called the body of Christ. Rabbits can show us what it means to live as a body, but it's baptism that shows us what it means to be the body of Christ. The reading from John's Gospel, which again was read 25 years ago, is part of what is known as Christ's high priestly prayer. And Gary may remember from Aberdeen, Professor Torrance speaking in revered tones of Christ's high priestly prayer in John's Gospel. It's the prayer of Jesus for his disciples before he faced his crucifixion. And what did he pray for them? Not that they be clever, persuasiveness, persuasive or strong, or pretty or rich, as Doris Day sang, but that they would be one, that they would be united. So, as Jesus says, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. These are challenging days for the Church of Scotland and other denominations. And Gary and I have reflected often on that fact over a glass of orange juice. (laughs) But today is a day for rejoicing and looking forward in faith, and in unity. I heartily congratulate Gary on 25 years as minister here, and on being the type of minister many of us would like to be, but fail to be. And I congratulate you all for putting up with him. (laughs) But seriously, I congratulate all you for being a body of people that has helped Gary to be what he is called to be, a people of faith, hope, and love. I invite Gary and the members of Ninian's Old to stand. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Please be seated.
Let us pray. Pilgrim God, who journeys with your people through the changing seasons of life, watching, guiding, calling, sometimes challenging, and showing them in Christ the true pattern of our humanity and of love. We give you thanks for your faithfulness and for the gospel of grace and new beginnings that you have given us to share. We bring thanks for your church in this place throughout the ages and all those pastors and people who have ministered here. We give thanks for those saints of old who were once part of the people but who now see you face to face and who worship you in heaven's glory. Those people who have helped to inspire Gary and many others and whose memory does not fade. And we give you thanks for Gary that in giving of himself he may find time and rest for the renewing of his spirit and the enriching of his soul, that he might have further insights and riches to share with the people of this place and beyond. We pray for this congregation that, united in love and a common calling, it may continue to value its diversity of gifts for the building of the kingdom of God. And we pray for this world in all its wonder, diversity, and tragic brokenness. We remember today the people of Gaza, unable to find shelter and safety even in a hospital, bewildered at brutality and destruction that has been their experience for too long. And we pray for the people of Israel and those who mourn the death of people they love. Out of the hell of these days, may wisdom emerge and reconciliation take root. Bless the peacemakers, guide and inspire the leaders of nations that their decisions be far-sighted, fair, and for the good of all humanity. We remember the people of Ukraine as their misery continues, and pray for an ending of war there. We pray for all who are refugees in this world, wondering what has led to their plight and longing for security and safety. We pray for them and for all for whom homelessness is not a lifestyle choice, but a harsh and threatening reality. Bless and uphold Charles, our King, and all the royal household. Guide all who govern this land in Westminster and in Holyrood. We pray for all who govern in local authorities here in Stirling and beyond. And Christ the Healer, we pray for those who are ill, in pain, or deep distress. All who are recovering from surgery, or going through treatment, and all who are drawing close to the end of this life, 
that peace and serenity may be theirs. And we remember all who mourn, that they find comfort, that there be friends around them who know when to be silent and when to speak, and whose support does not diminish or fade away. In the stillness of this time and this place, we bring to you too those thoughts and prayers that are deep within us and for which we can find no words that seem adequate. Lord, hear our prayers, spoken and silent, through Jesus Christ, whose prayer for us continues even when our words cease and our minds wander elsewhere. Amen. We sing hymn 682, Go in grace and make disciples, baptize in God's holy name.
Could I extend a warm welcome to the company section of the 8 Stirling St Ninians Boys Brigade who are with us in the sanctuary today. They have a gift for Gary and I would like to invite Christopher Fife to come forward to present this gift. Moving on now to the presentation to Gary from the congregation. It's a great honour and privilege for me to say a few words this morning on such a joyous and momentous occasion. Before I make this presentation, a few thoughts about the Reverend Gary J. McIntyre. I'm sure I speak for everyone in the sanctuary today and everyone watching online when I say as a congregation, we feel very blessed to have Gary as our minister over the last 25 years, a real cause for celebration. His impact on this parish and its parishioners, and indeed the city of Stirling, is nothing short of spectacular. For example, I have not met one person in the parish of St Ninians who does not know Gary McIntyre. And I have not met one person in the parish of St Ninians who Gary McIntyre does not know. <laughs> it is astonishing. If you want proof, just take a walk through the parish with him. I have done this, and he knows everyone. He even knows their first names. And in some cases, he knows where they're going. His impact on this congregation and parish is almost impossible for me to put into words. Gary has excelled as a parish minister. He is very highly regarded by many congregations in the legacy presbytery of Stirling and has served as interim moderator at many churches where he has used his very individual set of skills to great effect and is currently interim moderator at Bannockburn Allen linked with Pleen and Cowie. Looking to the bigger picture, Gary is part of and chaplain for the presidential team of the 2023-24 Royal Highland and Agricultural Society of Scotland. Their year culminates at the 2024 Royal Highland Show in June at Ingolston, Edinburgh. This fact illustrates that he is very well respected way beyond St Ninian's Old and the city of Stirling. I would like at this point to give you a short history of Gary's journey as a minister. He was licensed to preach the gospel on 26th of June 1992 at a service held in the Highland Parish Church in Campbelltown, his hometown. He then served as an assistant to the Reverend Ian Rennie in the parishes of Upper Tweeddale and the Borders. He was then ordained and inducted to his first charge on the island of Butte as Minister of Kingarth and Kilchatton Bay Church, linked with the High Kirk of Rossi. After five and a half years in Rossi, he received the call to St Ninian's Old on the 19th of November 1998. And here he is today, 25 years later. And can I say most sincerely, we look forward to having him here 
for many years to come. Gary, on behalf of everyone in the sanctuary today and everyone watching online, it gives me the greatest of pleasure to present you with this cheque to mark your 25 years as minister at St Ninian's Old. A wonderful achievement by a wonderful man and a wonderful minister. Gary, we all love you. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you, Christopher, for presenting the gift from the Boys' Brigade. I'm delighted the company section is with us today to mark not only my 25 years as minister, but 25 years as chaplain to the 8th Stirling St Ninian's Company of the Boys' Brigade. And that's a great privilege for me to be your chaplain. So thank you very much indeed. Leslie, thank you for your kind words and thank you most sincerely for this gift which I will put to good use. I'll need to put my thinking cap on. I'm thankful to God for allowing me to be your minister for so long a time and I am thankful to you for putting up with me for so long a time. A quarter of a century is a long ministry, but in the history of St. Ninian's Old, it is relatively short. My four immediate predecessors all served for longer, so I still have a few records to beat. I would like to thank Colin for his fine sermon and timely reminder that we are all members of the body of Christ and have a part to play within it. Thank you also, Colin, for not giving away any secrets from our student days, though there were more than a few hints. <laughs> You'll be glad to know you don't need to pay for your lunch. <laughs> Robert, what can I say? I have known you since you were a wee boy you sang beautifully, and your presence has enriched our gathering on this special day. I will always be very grateful, and if there's a free ticket going for your next gig, <laughs> you know where I am. I also want to say a very sincere thank you to our organist, Dr. Tony Baldwin, who's Musical gifts are outstanding and whose playing Sunday by Sunday contributes so much to our services and today has been no exception. It has been and continues to be the privilege of my life to be minister of this church and parish. Through all the years, I have been supported by a fine Kirk session and a most loving congregation. And as you know, 
I am immensely fond of our parish, its people and places. I recall one minister who, on the occasion of his silver jubilee of his induction, was presented with a clock, after which he made the comment, I hope you're not telling me it's time to go. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't present me with a clock today. I also call to mind the story about the minister who waited in his church longer than the people wanted him to wait, and their hearts always sank when he preached on his favorite text, Lo, I will be with you always. <laughs> While long ministries in the one charge are not so common these days, there is no doubting the fact that these 25 years have enabled me to get to know you well. The downside is, you have got to know me well too. And that includes my failings, of which there are many. And yet you remain a loyal and devoted congregation, one that many a minister would be glad to have, but is not getting any time soon. <laughs> Thank you once again for your kindness, loyalty, and generosity. It is appreciated more than you will ever know. God bless you. It has been suggested that at the end of the service, those of you who have got a ticket for the lunch in the parish halls should make your way there without waiting to shake hands with Colin and me at the door. We will see you at the hall. We bring the service to a close by singing a hymn that has meant a great deal to me since I was a young boy. Hymn 182, 182, now thank we all our God.
Go into the world in peace, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always.